Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. Brought to you by TLC Caregivers. Welcome to today's show, Let's Talk Community with TLC Caregivers. I'm Kenny Holt. And I'm Lou Donaldson. TLC Caregivers cares for people of all ages, wherever we're needed in Escambia or Santa Rosa counties in Northwest Florida. We provide dependable caregivers that provide needed care to children and adults, infants to geriatric, discharging from the hospital, with, without disabilities, relief of family caregivers, all non-medical needs wherever we're needed, wherever the living environment is of the person needing the care. We empower those we are providing care to with their abilities. TLC Caregivers serves all generations as needed. We are the area's oldest non-medical provider of services in the community, having been established in Pensacola in 1989. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you might think. This is a second in our series of shows, uh, Preventing Readmissions, and we have several guests today. Uh, Josh Newby joined us on another show talking about preventing readmissions from a nutrition standpoint. Josh is the Marketing Communications Director at the Council on Aging of West Florida. He's also the Editor-in-Chief of their Coming of Age magazine and is the Executive Producer and the host of Coming of Age TV. We also have from Transitional Care House Calls, Primary Care House Calls, Marianne Crumlish, who is a Physician's Assistant with Primary Care House Calls, Ann Shearer, the Office Manager at Primary Care House Calls, Karen Jackson, who is also a nurse practitioner with Primary Care House Calls, and Vicki Barlow, Palliative Care Nurse Practitioner. Welcome. And I hope I didn't mess Thank up you. anyone's name. <laughs> Thank you. I know I messed up originally with Primary Care House Calls because I tried to say, Marianne, your transitional care program is the name of it. But that's your specialty there. That's, that's one of the programs that we have, yes. Very good. So... With the topic, preventing readmissions, we wanted to talk about why is this so important? Um, hospitals are now being penalized for readmissions, and the reasons hospital and health system, I cannot talk this afternoon. <laughs> the reasons hospital and health system leaders should be concerned with driving down preventable readmissions are very clear. Under healthcare reform, healthcare providers with high levels of preventable readmissions face the potential of losing a portion of their federal payments. And we all can pay, play a part in assisting with that. So let's just jump right in. I think, uh, Anne, you said you wanted to talk about primary care house calls in general, or if someone else wants to jump in there. No, that's... Kenny, I'd be glad to tell about primary care house calls. We have 11 providers, nurse practitioners, and physician assistants that go out into the community. We cover four counties. We cover Escambia, Santa Rosa, Okaloosa, and Walton counties with our providers. We are really involved with the homebound patient. Mm -hmm. Homebound means that it's a taxing effort to get to the doctor's office. They have difficulty ambulating, um, need assistive devices. Many of ours are Alzheimer's dementia patients that have difficulty being out of their environment. And 
very much we want to keep the patients at home and they want to stay at home. And that's one of our main missions is to keep them in their homes. So by going to their homes, we are involved in all aspects of their medical care. Kind of like um, doctors used to do in the olden days. Exactly. A doctor's office on wheels, sort of. Exactly. That's who we are. And all of our providers are geriatric-focused and geriatric-trained, uh, very much involved with, with the patients, with their medications. We do have an office. We do not see patients in the office, but each of our providers have an assistant in the office. So I'd like to turn these over back to the providers to tell you about what our programs can do. Well, my name's Mary Ann Crumlish. I'm a physician assistant, and one of the programs that we have is what we call a transitional medicine, uh, transitional care management program. And we are focused on trying to get, keep people from going back into the hospital after they've been discharged. And it's usually with, um, multiple diagnoses, chronic illnesses, congestive heart failure, COPD, acute myocardial infarction, that's a heart attack, um, multiple diagnoses like that, we will go to the patient's home and take intense care of them and communicate closely with um, TLC or with home health care, whoever happens to be in the house, um, so that we all we have eyes on the on the person at all times and we can take care of whatever problems arise even uh, quickly. Um, we're really accessible and we promise to see those patients at least three times that, that month that they're in, uh, that they are susceptible to um, a relapse in their illness. Many hospital stays now um, end up with going to rehab or to a skilled nursing for a short period of time. If, if I were in one of those facilities and coming out, I would pick up the phone and call you and say, sure. I no longer can drive to my doctor. I'm, I would be a new patient. Absolutely. Either that or just tell the, um, the caseworker at the facility and they'll give us a call. And if I understand correctly, your catchphrase for your office is we bring medicine to you. Right. Medical, I like that. Medical care. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because we bring non-medical care. And, uh, right. it, it's kind of funny. Everybody, there's a lot of us. Of course, they can't see us because this is a recording, but, uh, Everybody here is committed to keeping people in their home, the Council on Aging, um, TLC, and primary care house. And I think it's uh, important that we emphasize with this program, we're not bad-mouthing hospitals. Quite, no. the, quite the opposite. They're working hard to keep we people know, from coming absolutely. back. Absolutely. Our local hospitals are trying very hard, reaching out into the community for resources such as primary care house calls, TLC caregivers, Council on Aging of West Florida, uh, I know, Marianne, you and I are on some committees with their efforts to improve. That's right. Um, um, and that, that effort is guided by Health Services Advisory Group. That's a government program that, that um, gives us advice on what's worked otherwhere, other places um, to help prevent readmissions. And I promise you that the, the, there's, we probably have hundreds of people coming to these committees and um, trying to hash out exactly what the obstacles are to prevent 
preventing readmissions. So I guess the what we could take from that is it's going to take a lot of different people working yes. together to lower the admissions, That's readmissions right. rate Many different at the hospital. Yes. And not only working together, but communicating. We were talking before we started this show how important communication is. It's vital. Amongst everybody. Yes. And the doors have been opened. It's like a different world in, in Pensacola area yes. uh, from just even a few years ago, a couple years ago. I think people are talking to each other a whole lot more now. Everybody has everybody's cell phone numbers, and we're trying to work really hard to make sure that lives are, patients' lives are um, happy and comfortable in mm-hmm. their own home. And we're saving Medicare a lot of money doing that, a lot of money. Well, we were talking in the first part, getting in front of Josh. What were we don't remember specifically, but we talked about getting in front of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking specifically about nutrition and how that's really a foundational building block to your health outcomes uh, later on in life. And if you want to prevent uh, healthcare costs or at least mitigate healthcare costs, um, one of the most effective ways you can do that is having access to nutrition, having access to health resources, um, and, and really being able to, to stay in your home as much as possible, living with independence and, and dignity around those who can care for you and who can, around people who can really, uh, execute those discharge orders and help you in your day to day life. And the people sitting at this table are three of those great options that can assist with that. Council on Aging with Nutrition, TLC Caregivers with Non-Medical, and, of course, primary care house calls with the medical side of it. Uh, just incredibly it's a great vital. Team. It, it is. It's a great team. Vicki, you work in palliative care. Yes, I'm very passionate about palliative care. I think that, in my mind, one of the when we were talking about communication just a little while ago, one of the biggest downfalls is that as patients and provider relationships, we don't discuss advanced care planning. <laughs> and the whole key to keeping people out of the hospital is to find out what are their personal goals of care. So one of the things that I do in our palliative medicine tract is I go out to the people's homes when they're in the transitional care program and try to have advanced care planning discussions with them. I think it's important that they designate a healthcare surrogate so that we, the provider knows who their mm-hmm. decision maker is going to be if they can't make a decision. And then another form that we've started using in our practice is called POLST. It's a physician's order for life-sustaining treatment. It's not a legal form in the state of Florida yet. Right. However, it is an excellent tool for starting and having um, advanced care planning discussions because the patient gets to designate what level of care do they want to receive. Do they want full medical Mm -hmm. treatment, what they call intermediate medical treatment, or just comfort measures only? And if that is provided to their physician or to us if they're in our practice, then that provider knows, okay, this patient wants to do, you know, pretty aggressive medical care. They want everything mm-hmm. done. Or this patient wants limited interventions. They're, they're okay with antibiotics. They're okay with maybe going to the hospital for some IVs or something like that. But they don't want to have any type of life-sustaining things like a, um, a ventilator or anything like mm-hmm. that. And so it really allows that patient to designate what they want and makes a huge impact on the care that's provided. But we have that conversation before I, I need those services, right? Yeah, and, you yeah. know, I'm, I'm doing a paper on this in school, and one of the things that I've learned is that really with all the people that have multiple chronic illnesses like CHF and um, other heart diseases and things like that, only 26% of the people, and a lot of those conversations happen actually in the hospital where they don't have that relationship. It's somebody that they don't know that's coming in and having these conversations rather than their primary care provider. and we have Or their care. family. Yeah. And, and we at primary 
and we at Primary Care House Calls are committed as a practice to having those com- those conversations with our patients. And I hadn't really thought about it, but I, I am definitely an advocate for advanced directives. But sitting here listening to you, how many readmissions could that document prevent if they don't want to go to the hospital, if they want those comfort measures? I mean, that's an incredible it's aspect a, it's of this. It's a decision made so that it doesn't have to be made when things are, you know, everybody's confused and there's, you know. And emotional. Yeah, yes. Emotional. And sometimes patients are never asked what kind of treatment do they want. They may not want that surgery. They may not want that chem- that chemotherapy. They may just want to be comfortable. And so, and, and intermediate care is a level of, of health, you know, interventions that's not total hospice, you know, like an end of life care, but people are never asked. And so a lot of unnecessary medical interventions are provided. And that's tragic. Yeah. That is definitely tragic. Elderly patients that we have. And there's so many accessible ways to have those documents done. If a family has an attorney, yes, the attorney can do it, but council on aging, you all have five wishes. Um, There's free documents. I'm not sure what you all we offer. use the pulsed P-O-L-S-T and um, DNRs, do not resuscitates. Um, we have multiple uh, documents, but the healthcare surrogate is also really important that we know who to go to that can speak for you. Um, we thought we think that's a important topic. And recently on our Facebook page, TLC Caregivers Facebook page, we discussed those items. It's not the first time that we've done that, but last week. Uh, That's how important we think that is, periodically talking about that. And I love it that you've brought that up because, like I said, I had not really thought about that being a preventative for readmission, but it's so true when people... Communication. Right. Right. And sometimes families uh, feel guilty and they, or whatever reason, they feel, you know, they don't want to lose their loved one. But if they've had the conversation already, they understand that they're doing what they're their mom or dad wants done and don't have to make guesses. Having been somebody who's had a loved one pass away, we had the advanced directives. I knew exactly what she wanted, what she did not want. And we had those conversations with family because family wanted to do some other things. And it's like, no, this is not what she wanted. See, and you can stick. To and we honored her thing. choices. Yes. Uh, my mother with my father, same, mm-hmm. the same scenario. She knew without a doubt what he wanted and what he did not want. And I think that's so vital. And I love it, you know, that we label it. It's another form of communication. And it absolutely is. That's right. Well, if someone were starting to feel like they hadn't done enough for a loved one who did pass, right. you've got it done right. You know, I didn't do anything more than exactly what, what mom or dad or my loved and, one wanted. And that choice can be changed too, certainly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's... And I think that's one of people's fears once they sign something like that. Oh my gosh, you know, they're not going to give me life-sustaining or whatever, but that's your choice and it's based on that document. And that's one of the reasons that um, advanced uh, advanced care planning is ongoing. You know, <clears throat> once you have it in place, you're, the providers continuously talking to the family and educating the family because mm-hmm. they do get um, really anxious when something happens with their family. And you want to continue to have that ongoing dialogue with the family uh, so that um, you continue, it continues to evolve and continues to change, gets better sometimes. And then I've been in situations where, um, you know, the family just um, 
just freaked out and wanted the patient to go back to the hospital anyway. But for the most part, probably 98% of the time, um, if the, as long as the family knows and you have continue to have that dialogue with them, um, then they can, they just feel more comfortable. And then when the time is right, then you bring hospice in on the scene and then, and then hospice just kind of further digs their heels into it and, and they make it and they continue to educate and, um, and then they just kind of drive it home. So. And Karen, you, you go see those patients at least once a month, right? Um, the, all of your generally chronically ill patients. And so you're going to have that conversation in a, in a really meaningful way. It's not going to be once or twice a year. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Um, with primary house calls, um, we're very fortunate that we do get to go see our patients, um, on a monthly basis and we have the same patients, mm-hmm. the same patient load. So we have such a rapport with them and they trust us so intensely that, um, they hear what we have to say after, you know, at first they may not. At first they, they may, um, not want to hear what you have to say, but then as you continue to dialogue with them, then they start hearing what you have to say because they trust you and then they know that you're looking out for what's right for them and for their family. And similar to what we talked about, Josh, with Meals on Wheels, you're that person that comes in on a regular basis and you do form that relationship. And you're not only a set of eyes that other people may not see because you're coming in there, you build that relationship. Like you said, they begin to trust you and you can talk to them about anything and be very open and communicate. And I, I did transitional care um, in Alabama uh, for two years, and I worked with a company that had 37% rehospitalization rate, and we came down to 10%. Uh, so it's it's very wow. significant, and the hospitals <laughs> were very, um, their, their antennas were up, and they sent their patients to us because they knew that we, um, that we were effective. Um, but the... <laughs> The thing that I noticed is that when our patients would come out of the hospital or they would come out of the rehab um, hospital, a lot of times they they just bring home this bag of medications and they bring home these lists and they really don't know what to do. So they're confused. So when you come into the house the very first time and you go through all their medications and you and you write down um, and you list things for them, then they start seeing a little bit more clear and then when you go back the following week and then you go over it all again and you write it down again, then that helps them to trust you rather than pick up the phone and, and call 911 to go back to the hospital. Um, so uh, when I worked and did TCM um, over in Alabama, I had an assistant that would call the patient within 24 hours when they first came out of the hospital. Um, and we had uh, the hospital discharge planners that would call us. Um, and then we could call the patient within 24 hours and then the nurse and uh, nurse practitioner would be out there within two to seven days. And we go over all the medications and we go over all the advanced care planning and, um, we do a really good assessment on them. I would give them their, our cell phone number. So they had a contact person. A lot of times it's just a matter of they get afraid, um, like if they're in congestive heart failure and they're short of breath and they get really afraid and they don't know what to do, so they just call 911. But if they have your cell phone number, they'll pick up and they'll call your cell phone and they'll say, you know, Karen, you know, I'm short of breath. You know, what do I do? And then a lot of times you can just have them give, you know, take an extra Lasix or 
which is a diuretic to, um, you know, try to decrease the fluid. Um, and then you can make a visit the very next day. Or if you have, you know, I'd, I've gone out there <laughs> in the middle of the night and checked on them. Or I've had um, home help to go out and check on them in the middle of the night. So one of the great things I'm hearing there is not only are you all a team of nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants, the office staff, and whoever else is in that team, you connect with other offices and human-centered. It's a community team, really. Mm-hmm. It's and, a team approach. And your patient can reach out to you and access you. So you're working with home health. Definitely. Oh, yes. And, and hospice. And hospice. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, okay, so from the big picture, you're discharged from the hospital. And we've already established nutrition-wise, people have been in the hospital two weeks. Let's just go with two weeks. Um, the food in your refrigerator is probably bad. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need to get your meals on wheels started. You're going to need some kind of nutrition in the home. And we hope that it's good nutrition that's selected, not Josh has some pretty good stats on the recovery rate for people using poor, uh, exercising poor nutrition. But um, I know that we do a lot of work with people who are coming out of rehab, nursing homes, um, skilled nursing homes, and uh, the hospital, a homemaker companion, um, personal care, respite, those kinds of activities to help keep them independent. You do your home visits once a month. You call in home health if necessary, and then you work actively with hospice. That's correct. We've covered a lot of bases. Um, One one other thing is uh, going back to nutrition, it would be uh, um, particularly important for us to communicate with Council on Aging or whoever is in the home so that the diet that we think is clinically best for that patient, for instance, no salt, you know, no sugar, whatever it is, We've 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 talked about that so that you can emphasize that for with us. We have uh, several other services that we are very fortunate to have in this area, and we can get X-rays in the home. We can get venous Dopplers in the home. Wow. We have labs that go out, so we can our our providers can can order a chest X-ray and know that maybe somebody's starting pneumonia and treat them right then, and they are never in the ER. Or have to, have to do that. So, the ancillary services that that uh, work with us again help our treatment. Um, so, in essence, your services broaden the services available at the hospital. Even though you're not part of the hospital, you enhance the patient's quality of life. Yes, yes, that's the goal. We also have um, certain pharmacists that will deliver um, medications mm-hmm. to the home. So we're very geared towards taking care of them in their environment. Well, as we get older, I think that's a lot easier to see how important it is. It's so important. I was in my 20s. I don't think I was worried about it. You know, but uh, as you I get older. You were invincible when you were in your right? 20s. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's exactly what I was. But now it becomes a little more obvious every day. And, of course, that's a great segue, too. In the first program, we talked about, we're generally talking about elders, seniors, but that's not necessarily always the case. I'm sure you all have plenty of clients that are in their 20s, their 30s, um, just because that's life. Right. They're and so we don't we don't want anybody to think that, you know, they're not part of this conversation and it doesn't affect them. And if they're not personally dealing with it, they have a loved one that in some aspect 
is affected by. Well, primary care, you missed this part of the conversation. I want to come back to you because you said something about special diets that we didn't address earlier. Yeah, and and that's an interesting topic. Um, so according to, because uh, we receive money uh, through the Older Americans Act, through the federal government, and so the meals have to comply with uh, FDA regulations for one-third of the nutritional um, allowance per day. Um, so unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of flexibility in that regard. However, with our, with our private pay, um, options, uh, there is that flexibility. So we could receive, uh, orders that say, you know, this person needs to be on an especially low sodium diet or something like that. And we could augment the choices to, to fit those needs. Um, Unfortunately, like I said, that that option is not available through the um, through through the federally funded program. Um, but although I think as, all of those are low sodium, yeah, right, all of those are low sodium. Um, that was that was just an example. But if if someone is needing especially high protein or you know low mm-hmm. carb, something like that, uh, that is certain certainly something that we could accomplish through the private pay option. And like I was uh, talking about through our partnership with uh, Primal Premade. Uh, which is all organic, locally sourced food. Uh, we could even further augment the choices to make sure that we are subscribing to the to the recommendations that you provide. And there are some other choices too, if they don't have access to be able to privately pay. I know you all have some of the farmers market access, and so again, they would call the Council on Aging of West Florida, four three two one four seven five for some of that. Are you all familiar with any programs that people can access for nutrition um, that would meet some of those needs? Um, I think that we depend on home health care to, to um, know what those resources are. Generally speaking, we have a social worker go in and each patient is so individual. Absolutely. You know, their their needs are, their their resources are so individual. And, of course, a TLC caregiver's caregiver employee would be able to assist with somebody's right. nutritional needs. They could shop for them. They could go to the farmer's market. They could do those things and help prepare the meals. And but you can course, also help uh, verbally um, emphasize their, their the proper diet. Communicate. Yeah. Again, I think that's going to be our theme today. We're seeing that. Communication is so vital. Um, I was going to say with our caregiver, I know there's funding issues. Some people are not able to privately pay and of course, trying to get onto one of those funded sources is never a short-term access program. But that's how people get those funded sources is to go on that. So we do have to continue to communicate and discuss. And, of course, as you all said, on an individual basis, they're going to be unique. So, Well, before we get too much further, let's hit some of the contact information. <clears throat> how would we reach... Well, we know the Council on Aging we just covered, 432-1475. Plus their website. I should have written down Karen's direct line. <laughs> uh, uh, our website is uh, coawfla.org, uh, and like you said, 850-432-1475. And uh, Karen, who is actually in charge of the Meals on Wheels and Community Services Program, can be reached directly at 850-266-2514. Okay, and then um, primary care house calls. How would we reach you? Um, our main office number is area code 850-934-5713. And we are there Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Um, once the patient is established with us and uh, we have verified insurance, uh, one of our providers, uh, if the office is not up, 
open is on call. So we are accessible really 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And Kenny, you've got hours, of course. Um, TLC caregivers, 850-857-0920. Our website is www.tlccaregivers.com. And of course, we have our Facebook page and we like to share community information there. And I was going to ask the question, primary care, what are your funding streams? How, how does somebody pay for your services? Ours are covered uh, with uh, insurance. Uh, we're, uh, Medicare uh, has realizes that the homebound status, that if we are in seeing them in the home, that we are basically saving them quite a bit of money. So we are predominantly Medicare. Uh, we take Blue Cross, Blue Shield. Um, we also have some smaller uh, insurance companies, Aetna, that covers us. Um, what we try to do when they call in is to verify if uh, they have what insurance they have. And we try to let the patient know or the caregiver know if we're not in network, what the cost might be. And if it's, if it's too much, then they can make that decision. Um, but Medicare is our, our primary source. And is it billed though, just like a doctor's visit? It, it is. That's cool. It is billed. It is, um, like I said, it, we, um, see patients in the home and we see them in the assisted living facilities. That's the two areas that we see these patients. We also do take some private pay, um, for folks that, that aren't on Medicare yet. And, um, I, I would encourage people that need our services to call and let us check and see which insurance is. And that's what I was going to say. It sounds like you have a conversation with whoever's calling. You discuss what availabilities they have. It sounds like a lot of long-term care insurance programs pays for your services similar to ours at TLC Caregivers. Um, But I don't think you let the conversation in there. You connect them with community resources as well. Uh, which is something that we at TLC Caregivers take great pride in. Uh, in the prior show, we talked about it's not all about us making money, although we're a for-profit company. We take great pride in connecting people in the community, and we don't let the conversation in there. And we'll even follow up. And I know Council on Aging does the same thing. I think that's a vital part of that communication. And uh, I appreciate the fact that you all do the same thing. So thank Josh, you. do you get contacted from discharge planners? You know, that is something that we are working on. We are partnering, uh, with, with local, um, hospitals, you know, and emergency rooms and, and discharge managers to accomplish that. Mm-hmm. That has been, uh, something that we have not done very well in the past. Uh, but we have actually had recent meetings with several of them to create a, a more mutually beneficial partnership there. And I know that discharge planners yes. are a big part yes. of your business, Definitely. big part of your practice. And we all know not all readmissions are preventable. And I think realizing that gives us some avenues for like we talk about, whether it's us providing the services or we can connect them with another resource in addition to our services or in lieu of our services. Um, again, it's not all about us. And we've heard that conversation from the hospitals at those different meetings that we are having. They're being honest and open about that as well meetings with the community so that they can identify those resources that can supplement what they're doing. And as people are discharged home, 
uh, or they're dealing with somebody trying to prevent a readmission, they have those resources as well. And I know your all services are a vital part of that. Yes, it, it takes all of us, doesn't it? Absolutely. Um, the post-discharge environment, I think, is an ever-growing and we can all learn situation. Um, I don't think any of us have the all-knowing answer. Um, but as long as we're willing to evaluate our own programs and make changes where necessary and be open to new avenues, I think that's very important. So, um, do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about on palliative care? That's a no. That's a no. That's a no. <laughs> I think she covered it. Josh and I read sign. That's right. <laughs> no. And Karen? Um, I just want to um, reiterate that with um, uh, transitional care, that um, it is important that um, we do reach out to the community or, you know, and um, and we're able to touch base with hospitals and and for the discharge planners to get on board with all of us, because if they would get on board with all of us and they, ju- you know, would um, um involve us in the care mm-hmm. of especially our older people, then I think that we could really, really impact our community. And I think educating people before the need, just like we were talking yes. about pre-planning um, our advanced directives and, and making sure our family's aware of things, making certain that we know that it, it's not a sign of weakness. Um, it's not, we're not disempowering someone. We're not taking anyone's power away. We're actually empowering them to be more independent, even at decline. Oh, yes. I, I think it's enormous. I know that a clean home environment is a healthier environment. I know that you have to have nutritious meals. I know that someone has to go to the pharmacy and bring home the medications that the hospital said, you know, you need to be taking. I know that there's um, a great deal of non-medical care that reinforces as an auxiliary service, um, reinforces the in-home care that they're receiving from their doctors, from home health, from therapies, um, from hospices, from wherever they're getting them, even just if it's reinforcing family members. But people have to know to, first of all, ask for it or agree to it. They have to be willing. Would you do me a favor and go into more depth about what insurances will cover y'all services? Long-term care insurance pays for our services. Okay. Private pay is another resource. We have contracts through the Council on Aging, okay. um, Medicaid, Long-Term Care Division, uh, Humana Elder Humana American Elder Care. Thank you. Sunshine Tango, um, which are both state-funded with federal funds, Medicaid program. Lakeview. Lakeview. um, If you name it. Not, not. Nope, that's the medical side. That's the medical. That's correct. Traditional medical insurance does not pay for our services, which I find insane. Now that we've gone down this road. It's I find also, that crazy. So it's so integrated. It should be. It know. should be. And because we're non-medical, that's why the medical side of it won't pay. Although we've been at some meetings where we've even heard that TRICARE and some of the Medicaid medical side, they are looking at the value of non-medical care and the reduced costs to provide that and improve quality of life and keep people in their home. 
that may change. I mean, it hasn't right now. With as much talk as we've had on medical, um, on health insurance and, and the reforms and all these things, we haven't addressed how people are going to stay independent in their homes. Right now it takes, it's like this big um, Morrison's cafeteria. <laughs> you know, go down the line and pick what you need. And unfortunately, right now, consumers are stuck with finding those services. That's where the education pops in. People have to realize right off the bat, if it's non-medical, there is a company that can do those things. Um, Meals on Wheels, uh, through the Council on Aging, which also offers adult daycare, which has case management, um, so many different programs, support services. Of course, home care, you know, physicians, assistants in the home, palliative care, hospices. They have to know that they're there and that they can use some of each for a holistic solution. But how traditional healthcare still hasn't addressed, you know, how we, how do we keep people at home? We're going to get We're, there. We've, we've found um, with the private pay that uh, it's really an essential uh, part of, of our patients care in many cases because the family's out of town. They, oh, they, yeah. it's, they can't get mom or dad to the hospital or the, not the hospital, to the doctor's office anymore. That's why, that's where we are. And with the private care, oftentimes it's so much help for the caregiver because they can get some respite time and which is, is so necessary for these caregivers. Caregivers are such a unique person in, in our environment. We depend on them so much. And to, we worry about them. And, yes. and, but they're unrecognized to the degree that they provide and, Again, we talked about it in our first show on the topic. A caregiver will literally give themselves out until they have nothing more to give. And then I think what you were going toward, Anne, where does that leave the our client, your patient, depending upon what you call them, without a caregiver? Um, because that caregiver has completely burned out or didn't take care of themselves to the point and they died. Um, we see that so often. And short of that, they've sacrificed their lives. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And... We talked about that physically, mentally, and financially. Right. And, and of course, you do get paid back because that is wonderful. It is a wonderful it is. opportunity, but to run it's yourself to just exhaustion isn't isn't helpful to anyone or anything. Um, so you can see that we have many aspects. We are a team, but we couldn't do it without the community resources. We could not be primary care house calls without home health, without private mm-hmm. care, without counsel on aging, without many of these people that we depend on to go into the home and be our eyes and ears because we may be in there once a month, but other people are in calling us. And with nurse practitioners and physician assistants, you're going to find they're very, very accessible mm-hmm. and to I'm talk to. And I'm sure, though, you all come across the same that we do. A lot of people don't know what primary house calls really does. As people do not know, TLC caregivers, what does non-medical mean? Counsel on aging, well, I'm 40-something years old. I'm not affected by that. Well, maybe you're a caregiver. Maybe you are. I mean, there's a lot of unknown out there. That people, it still surprises me in the community a lot of times. I'll say something that we do and they're like, I had no idea you did child care or helping box up to help somebody move to a different home, an apartment, into a nursing home, into assisted living. 
whatever that non-medical need is, and I'm sure you all come across that as well, that they didn't know you do that. And the- Well, I have to say that I've been doing this for like 10 years. And um, when I first started, the patients didn't even know what we did. They were like, we were the nurse. They needed to see the doctor. Right. Uh, and so I can see where even our resources have just grown by leaps and bounds mm-hmm. because I was out of the loop for the last two years and I've been in Alabama and I just came back a few weeks ago and I'm just really seeing that the resources are just even greater now and the patients are um, more um, educated on who we are and what we do now. Mm-hmm. So um, just in the last 10 years, I've seen a huge growth in uh, in our environment. And I think that we're just going to get bigger and better. And how important you are to that network. Yeah. Very much. So. All of us. So we're running out of time here. Briefly, I want to say again, thank you for being here today. And again, I want to provide primary care house calls, 850-934-5713. Do you all have a website? It's primary care dash housecalls.com primary care house calls primary care dash com and then council on aging of west florida yes you can uh you can call our main line at 850-432-1475 or there's information on all the services that we offer as well as ways to uh, get more involved uh, at coawfla.org And, of course, TLC caregivers, we provide non-medical services, and we can discuss those with you if you want to give us a call. Nothing's off the table if it's non-medical, legal, ethical, and moral. Um, Some of our companions provide transportation. We are licensed by ACA, the Florida Agency for Healthcare Administration. Our employees are bonded and insured, and we are a drug-free company. And please do remember us when you have friends, family, or yourself, or even vacationers that need assistance that can't be left alone. We answer our phones 24 hours a day. Our phone numbers are 850-857-0920. Our website is www.tlccaregivers.com. Check us out on our Facebook. Thank you all again for being here. And TLC Caregivers, we do more than you might think. This show is brought to you by TLC Caregivers. TLC Caregivers, we do more than you think. Learn more at tlccaregivers.com.